Welcome to episode 13 of the Rescue Store Mindset Podcast. I'm Cody Wright. Today is the weekly Q&A episode where I go through questions that I receive through Instagram and email, and I answer them as well as I can. And if you're not familiar with the format on Mondays and, or for the past few weeks on Mondays and Thursdays, I've been breaking down my book, The Rescue Storm Mindset, and tomorrow's episode will be on a little more on flow states, which I started on Monday, so you can listen to that if you want to kind of get caught up, and then tomorrow's episode will kind of close that out, and that should be the last episode related to my book for now. So let's get into these questions. The first question was about how much you get paid as a Coast Guard helicopter rescue swimmer. So I'm just going to kind of break down the the basic, I guess, or average pay that you're going to receive. It kind of, it varies like slightly from unit to unit, but overall it's, it's about the same. So all Coast Guard helicopter rescue swimmers are enlisted. So enlisted pay is on a scale based on experience, your rank, your time in service, and then that kind of based on those two things, you are paid a certain amount. So when you join the Coast Guard and go to boot camp, you're an E1 or E2, I think. So you get paid. You can look up this this scale online. It's public information. So you're in boot camp. You're E1 or E2, whatever it is. And I forget how much you're getting paid, but it's not that much. It's like I think it was like seven hundred a month or something, maybe eight hundred a month, and then. When you graduate, you graduate as a E2 or E3, depending on your contract, and you'll get paid based on that. And then on top of your enlisted base pay, you're going to get housing money if you're not given a barrack room or government housing. And then you'll get some sort of money for cost of living or a food food allowance kind of where you're kind of getting paid based on how much it costs if you live in alaska it costs a lot more to to buy groceries buy like to buy like bread and milk so you'll get paid slightly more just to compensate for that so when you graduate from rescue summer school you are going to graduate as an e4 so your e4 base pay is going to be well i don't know what's going to be but you can just look it up And then wherever you get stationed, you're going to get your housing pay or you're going to live in government housing. So if you're getting housing pay, which I was when I went to Detroit out of A school, I got, I think it was around 1100 a month for housing. So I got that on top of my, my base pay. So I think I was like, my checks were, or like my pay, paychecks per Two weeks were around seventeen hundred dollars, maybe seventeen hundred fifty around there. So that was in Detroit. That was plenty to get an apartment, have some money for food, and then have some for savings. And it wasn't really a big deal. Uh, if you get stationed in Los Angeles, or well, I guess not Los Angeles anymore. There's no air station there. But if you get stationed in San Francisco, your your housing pay or your BAH pay 
is going to be slightly higher. It's going to, cause it costs a lot to live in San Francisco. So maybe you get 2000 a month to get an apartment in San Francisco. So that just depends on where you're stationed. And that is going to kind of depend, that's going to kind of determine how much you're getting paid per two weeks. Just taking a sip of my coffee. So yeah, I'm going to kind of stop that there. I wouldn't worry too much about the financial aspect of the job. You get paid plenty to do what you do. Um, it's not a great living, but it's definitely plenty to save some money up and live a happy life as long as you're not spending too much on stupid things that you don't need. So I'm going to move on to the next question. And that is, do you use fins for half and halves? So I'm just going to kind of extrapolate this question to all kind of swimming. And I'll just kind of cover when I use gear and when I don't for training or when I have people use gear and when I tell them to just go with just only goggles or, or no gear. So specifically for half and halves, when I'm swimming now, I don't really swim with fins ever because I'm, I'm not in the Coast Guard anymore. And I, now I just train to stay in shape and help other people train. So when I'm doing half and halves, I don't use fins. When I was training for A school, I would use, I would use fins probably half the time. So obviously it's way harder to do half and halves without fins or any water confidence without fins. So there's a, there's a lot of benefit into benefit that it goes into not using fins. So if you're trying to get more comfortable in the water and just kind of increase your, your time in the water and getting comfortable kind of swimming around and not being in a panic state while you're swimming underwater for long periods of time, I would go no fins. If you're someone who's relatively good in the water and you just got swimming fins and you're trying to get your, get your hip flexors and your legs kind of built up and used to fins, then I would suggest you, you do them with fins. So it just varies, just vary vary as you train. So maybe 50, 50, maybe two days a week, do it with fins and two days a week, do it without fins. I know in swimmer school, a lot of times we would do a warm up, and it varied also. So a lot of times we do like a 500 towards the end of school, we do like 500 meter half and half warm ups, And that was usually with gear, just because towards the end of school, you're doing all your multis and and simulated rescues so everything you're doing is with, is with fins and you kind of establish that you have a a pretty strong degree of, or a high degree of water confidence so the instructors aren't really trying to test that as much but early on you'll probably do a lot more no fin half and halves and stuff like that as far as other water confidence drills go i pretty much generally i say don't do any water confidence training with fins because it's essentially just a crutch so if you're doing like a lap tracer where you're swimming down and moving a brick across the bottom of the bottom of the pool and you're using fins it just makes it a little easier so i really don't see a ton of benefit in using fins when you're trying to increase your water confidence if you get to use fins in school or in it in your training just that's just a bonus so if you train without them and then you get to use fins it's going to be way easier so just look at it that way the next question is, did you have a lot of classroom 
time and were there tests in the classroom time in rescue summer school so if you didn't know if you're a rescue swimmer in the coast guard you're actually an aviation survival technician so you are in charge of working on and inspecting all the life-saving equipment on the coast guard helicopters and there's a fair amount of life-saving equipment it, it varies from the inflate or the PFDs kind of that the pilots and flight crew wears to there's a life raft on the boat that it can inflate if you need it there are various devices that we have that we carry on ourselves and all these things need to be inspected and maintained throughout the course of the year so that is largely what the classroom time in in rescue summer school or a school covers so you spend a fair amount of time in the classroom kind of learning the ins and outs of the aviation survival technician job none of the material you learn is is necessarily like it's not very hard it's really basic stuff and it's just kind of getting you familiar with the nomenclature or the stuff you're going to be working with but i guess it is something you can fail you can fail a test because you are tested on the material that that you cover so you'll learn a bunch of bunch of information and kind of different parts of a say like a some rescue device say the basket the rescue basket so you learn all that and then you go home and there's kind of this like these random points or notes that you're supposed to study and you'll be tested on on them the next day and you kind of have to study that stuff it's really easy but you can just like go through the night before like take 10 minutes to study the material it's pretty simple but funny enough i ended up failing one of my three no-gos during a school was from failing a written test which is like kind of embarrassing honestly but I just didn't study for the test the night before and I just figured I could wing it and do okay. And I actually missed like one too many questions and failed it. I had to retake it the next day. So it wasn't really a big deal, but you can fail the tests. I did. So just keep that in mind. And if you're someone who has a hard time memorizing stuff, just take extra time to study. But it's definitely not something you should stress out about in school because it's very, it's pretty easy stuff. The next question is, did you have any injuries you dealt with during A school? Or did anyone in your class have injuries that ended up passing? So I didn't really have any injuries going through A school. I was relatively healthy. We had, I'm trying to think. One guy who got through that had a, I think it was a knee injury, like early on. And he missed a day of training. I think it was the first or second week he missed a day of training and it seemed bad. He was like limping on it and barely making it through the runs. And then week went by and he got the weekend off and he was fine. And he ended up crushing the class and, and he's a rescue swimmer still. So if you have like a nagging injury now, like something that you think is going to hinder you, I would recommend that you go seek medical help 
or a medical professional to help you out or at least diagnose you. And you probably want to give it time off and all that stuff. So the next question was what are the competitive num what are competitive numbers for the PT test? So I just got this question like right before I started recording. Basically I'm just gonna run through the PT test and say what competitive numbers are, although this varies a lot and if you're barely able to hit the minimums on a certain exercise in the PT test, don't worry about it. You can still pass school. It's not a big deal. But it's always better to have some extra gas in the tank, you know, for each exercise. So for the push-ups, and I I know there's a minimum, a new Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer program minimum that isn't what it used to be. I think it's like 40 push-ups maybe instead of 50 what it used to be. But I'm just going to say what the competitive numbers are or what guys in my class and guys that I kind of see now are are doing, guys that seem competitive at least physically. So for push-ups, you want to be getting at least 60 push-ups and kind of pushing towards 70. That would be ideal. When I was first training, I was barely hitting. So I guess like when I first started doing push-ups and I was finally able to get the minimum of 50, I felt pretty confident. And then I just kept working on it and following my routine and my plan and eventually, I think my push-ups were in like, in like the mid-60s. So, that's push-ups. Sit-ups, uh, the minimum used to be 60. I'm not sure what it is now. Maybe it's 50. But for sit-ups, I really don't just hit the minimum. Because sit-ups are kind of pointless. You don't ever do sit-ups other than the PT test. And the when you actually get... If you pass rescue summer school and you become a a swimmer they don't even i don't even think they have pt or they don't have sit-ups in their pt test anymore they changed it recently or i guess a few years ago and they completely got rid of the sit-ups because sit-ups are really a pointless exercise as far as testing your likelihood to get through school or even it's not even a great strength tester or endurance test for anything really so just hit the minimum get 60 or get 50, whatever it is, and don't worry about it. And of course, you want to train to get a little bit above the minimum, so try to get 55 or 60. But if you're if you're on the borderline, but you're always passing it, don't worry about trying to like increase your sit-ups and increase sit-ups into your workouts. Just just know that you'll be able to pass it and train things that matter. Pull-ups and chin-ups guys are usually getting 10 plus if you're getting 10 plus you're fine i think i did like my max was like eight of each when i went through but and the minimum was five when i was training but it might be a little lower now maybe it's three but that's a upper body that's a good indicator of your upper body strength so you should be able to do a lot of them next exercise is the we'll do the run so the 1.5 mile run when i went through i think probably the class average on our first pt test week one was around 10 minutes i was running i think i ran like a 920 or something that first pt test 
and then towards the end I was running like high eights so like an 850 something but if you're running around 10 minutes preferably a little bit faster in the mid to high nines you'll be fine if you're a little slower than that don't worry about it we're swimmers not runners so if you're slightly slower it's not a huge deal it's just going to make some of the workouts a little harder the 500 meter swim i would say if you're in the nines you're probably you're going to be one of the probably the slower people in your class so you want to at least have your swim time in the mid eights if you're in the nines you can still pass summer school like it's not a huge deal but get it into the mid eights and you'll feel way more comfortable during the workouts because if you're swimming in the nines for your 500 and you're you're doing sprint workouts with your class your heart rate's going to be way more elevated than your than your classmates that are a little bit faster than you and that's going to really show up when you start doing water confidence drills in between workout in between sprints and stuff like that it'll make everything way harder And then with the underwater laps, 25 meter underwater laps, you're just doing those to completion. If you can do four underwater laps in, or with 60 second, 60 seconds rest between each, you're going to be fine. So the last thing I'm going to talk about real quick is a question that I saw from a few people. And that is people are basically saying that they're plateauing in their PT numbers or they're not they're working out a ton almost every day and not seeing improvements in their push-ups or sit-ups or pull-up numbers or swimmer run times and that's really hard to diagnose broadly I'd have to kind of see what you're doing and kind of see what your training looks like if you're following a certain plan, what your history is and all that stuff. But in general, if you're plateauing like that, I I did a whole blog post on it. Or not seeing improvements. Basically, what that means is you're doing something wrong or you're you're at your absolute max, which that probably isn't what it is. You're probably doing something wrong. And a lot of that stems from not really knowing exactly what you should be doing or overdoing certain things or not giving your body enough time to rest and like I said I can't give this like blanket recommendation to everyone but just know that you should be following some sort of training plan so if you're not you should look into that a couple things before I wrap up today's episode in the next two to three weeks I'll be coming out with a three-part video series where I talk about how to deal with uncertainty in relation to training. I'll do a video on heart rate training zones and how you can use them for for your training. And then I'll do a video on kind of creating your own workout plan based on kind of a template that I like to use. So be on the lookout for that. I'll post a heads up when I'm kind of getting ready to release those videos on my Instagram. Other thing is... In the next probably two to three weeks also I'll be I'm kind of finalizing some rescue summer mindset t-shirt ideas so I will 
post something to the Instagram page or my story when I kind of get that closer. So just know that's in the works if you're interested. Last thing before I end the episode, if you're interested in some of the training plans that I have, just go to my website, rsmguide.com and take a look at them. There is a training plan for someone who's at a very beginner level. It's called the intro training, and that is for people who can't currently pass the PT test. And there's another one for people who can pass the PT test, but want to kind of follow a kind of rigid training plan that's going to get them ready for first summer school. That's going to conclude today's episode. I'll talk to you tomorrow.